Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. Have you ever had that feeling where you just don't want to get out of bed? You don't know what your meaning or purpose is anymore. You can't see a future. You don't know where to turn to or what to do. I recently spoke to Julia Canatelli, who's a registered psychologist in Australia with over 17 years' experience in psychology and workplace consulting. She's worked in both corporate psychology and senior management roles in the occupational psychology sector in both Australia and the UK, as well as smaller consultancies and her own consulting business. She comes with a wealth of experience. She's worked with people from all walks of life. She's dealt with people with issues such as PTSD, depression, anxiety, adjustment disorder, and many other areas. We chatted about a whole lot of things and we really delved into what it takes to look yourself in the eye, find that driving force, find that meaning, and recalibrate yourself. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening, and welcome to Move Your Mind. Just a reminder that the Move Your Mind book is now available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com book, and you can join the Move Your Mind community by going to moveyourmind.me. Julia, thank you so much for making the time to come and talk to me. Um, we are just talking before about a few little dramas that happened, and on top of that, um, you know, you're normally the one asking people questions. So yes. um, let, let, let's see how we go with me asking you questions and, you know, maybe you can throw a few at me as well. But appreciate you coming on. Sure. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And, um, yeah, appreciate it. I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast as well. So, yeah, it's great to be a part of this. Yeah, thank you. And I appreciate you making the time to, to listen to a couple of them. So, yeah, before we get into it, uh, could just for our listeners to give a, a bit of a background hmm. on you and the work you do and sort of how you went down this path, could you um, just give a bit of a, a background for Sure. Well, I started off, <clears throat> sorry, um, in my early in my career working with um, people with drug and alcohol issues and homelessness and mental health issues such as schizophrenia and bipolar and generally most of my clients weren't able to live independently. So I worked as what we call an outreach worker and I helped house people and help them to learn to live independently. I moved out of that and I moved into mainly um, in the last 15 years, I've worked mainly in vocational rehabilitation. So helping people that have had mental health breakdowns, um, psychological injuries, helping them to return to work. And I've worked also privately as a psychologist as well so they're my main two roles that I've um that I've been working in and I work I have moved my vocational rehabilitation into the workplace as far as being an on-site psychologist and really trying to promote that to companies um, at the moment to organizations the benefits of having an on-site psychologist yeah well um and which is so important and something yeah I want to talk a lot to you mm. about uh, mm. Was it always something you wanted to get into, this area? 
Um, no, actually, it's a good question. No, I actually, I was really initially interested in sports psychology, but I never went okay. down that um, road. But I found, I found um, working with people who have had psychological injuries in the workplace fascinating. And I mean, we're ranging from, from um, you know, working class individuals to uh, white collar. And that's what I found fascinating is that, that everyone's experience was similar in the, as far as you know, working really hard, working long hours, high expectations of themselves, and then experience a burnout. So, mm. well, so that I, I guess that became part of my passion about getting into the work, workforce and helping employees on in on site to get rid of those barriers that are created. You know, of getting access to a psychologist, having to go mm -hmm. see one outside of work hours. So, if I can be on site, I can be there to help assist people before they have that breakdown and they're no longer able to work. So that that shared experience was really, really fascinating for me and normalising that for people as well because it's such a common thing that people experience in the workplace and yet everyone who experiences a psychological breakdown is no longer able to work feels really isolated in that experience. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it feels like traditionally it's been something of extremes where it's sort of not serviced at all and then like you're saying it it's it it becomes only comes to the surface when it gets that bad that someone has an actual breakdown and and then they have to go and you know get help and absolutely it's very reactive and, and the impact of that is that the longer that these these incidents go untreated more unlikely people are to return to work so the longer someone's out out of work, the less likely they are to return to work. So yeah. it is, it's really quite extreme if we're not helping these people at work in the workplace because people's people work and, and people's private lives and emotional lives can't be separated, mm -hmm. you know, and this is about, so working in the workplace is about bringing the whole self into the workplace and feeling supported um, at, at work to be able to be productive and and maintain motivation and sometimes it's about early intervention I had a um client mm. recently which was really interesting she she worked in um she works in in a hospital with aged care and um she had worked all through COVID had worked really long hours you know, lots of staff were on leave and she had this really strong value around helping others, you know, and, and when you've got elderly people that need to be fed and cared for, it's really hard to say, no, I can't do a shift tonight. So she worked, you know, and this is a quite, quite a common theme through COVID that people had to work really, really hard and work long hours. And post COVID and going back to work, she burnt out, but her experience, she was unaware of the emotional impact of what she'd just been through and she was experiencing brain fog she mm. wasn't able to concentrate she she you know she isolated herself from her friends she was unable to read books anymore she was having stomach pain she was experiencing anxiety and she went and saw her doctor and said I don't know what's wrong with me I think I need to have a brain scan I need mm. to have a you know physical check of my body there's something really wrong with me and I don't know what's going on and he referred her to me and it was amazing. I, I have to say within three sessions, she was back at work and that was in wow. within probably six weeks of working with her. She was unable to make the connection between her physical response to the stress she was under and how that was impact that uh, that was actually the outcome of burnout and yeah. an emotional response that 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 her body embodied 
I guess, you know, that our body um, embodies these emotional responses. And as a result, her body broke down and said, I can't, I can't do this any longer. So, so that's the importance, you know, if we had someone on in the, in the workplace and someone's experiencing these things, you know, they go and see someone, they're able to talk about it and they're able to make sense of what they're actually experiencing, you know, lack of concentration, low motivation, social isolation or withdrawal, all common themes or all common symptoms of anxiety and depression and burnout. So, yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I think, you know, most people at some point in their life can probably relate to going through versions of that. I think we all go through Mm. it, but yeah, we don't have that knowledge or education about, you know, what is actually happening or what we can do, you know. Yeah, and and making that connection between stress and, yeah, and the physical impacts. Yeah, exactly, exactly, because a lot of people will be feeling it but not really able to, probably not having that self-awareness or that education or experience to really be able to properly label what's going on or look into it or know what to address and then you, mm. you you sort of go around in circles and never get to the core of what what's happening mm. yeah and you think about those high achievers that you know work long hours and travel for work consistently traveling and the impact that has on you emotionally and you know and and and, and you, this also moves you away from who you are and and you know what's important to you but you keep going you're on that treadmill and and eventually you will burn out it will yeah. happen well, that's the thing, because how can, and I always, you know, one, like you look at people that are pushing themselves to that level and for many years sustaining that kind of lifestyle, like how can a human actually sustain it? Like, mm. I guess, like you're saying, you can't, everything comes at a cost. It's going to come at either an emotional cost, a physical cost, you know, some that's sort right. of cost. We're all. Cost to your family as well. To your family, yeah. Relationships. Yeah. Exactly. So um, I guess going back to the person you were talking about, what were some of the things in those three sessions that you did with her to, mm. to help her get through it? You know, I think that would be so interesting to for our listeners to sort of get a bit of insight into some of the, you know, what mm. they can do themselves. Well, I think one of the most important things that I did, first of all, was normalise her experience. And help her understand the link between, you know, feeling burnt out and experiencing anxiety and the physical impact that has on you. So, again, you know that it does impact your ability to concentrate because your mind, everything's so overwhelming, your mind's cognitive functioning starts to break down. So Mm. making decisions, concentrating, memory, all of those things start to break down. And I was able to explain that. So a lot of psychoeducation, I guess, was really valuable for her. And then like looking at those five foundations of health was really important as well. So your diet, what's your diet like? Are you socialising? She wasn't. Okay, let's start. Mm. You know, it's so important to be connected to other people, to be talking to other people. So let's get you, you know, can you go and meet a friend for a coffee? Um, The other areas are, so we've talked about diet, social, exercise, spiritual and sleep. So making sure that, because that's the foundation of health and well-being, if if they aren't functioning, then it's going to be hard to build on that. So talked about those five areas and starting to bring that in to her life as a daily practice. And then also just, yeah, like that psychoeducation. And then we started to go, I guess, a little bit deeper into, well, why why do you behave like, you know, why 
why do you have this tendency to overdo things? And we talked about her difficulties in saying no at work. Mm-hmm. So not wanting to let people down, wanting to please people. Um, so the impact that that has on, on the self and on herself. So putting other people's needs before her own needs and not taking into regard her own emotional needs and the impact that that has and starting to create some awareness of the impact that that has. Because yeah. often people aren't aware you know, when they say, yes, I'll go and do that and, yes, I'll do an extra shift, they're not aware of what's going on inside of them and that feeling of, oh, I just yeah. don't know if I can do that today and I just, yeah. you know, and I had something planned and, and you know, I really wanted to do the gardening. So the impact of that that, that would have on, on you as well and understanding that, understanding your core beliefs, you know, that, you know, who, I, who am I in the world and how do people see me, how do I see myself and seeing her value and the importance of her value and talking again uh, to values because values is so important in in helping us to direct our decision making to um, align with with who we are because when our values are not aligned we feel anxious we don't feel we don't feel right you know things don't feel right so when making sure that she is what she values and is she um is she doing that daily? Is she practicing her values daily? I guess is also really important. Um, mindfulness, I guess, was also really important about being aware about her of her thoughts and how her thoughts impact on her emotionally. So understanding and stepping away from her thoughts and you know that pressure that she puts on herself and just being aware of it, not judging it, but being able to step away and sort of let that go, let those thoughts go and reground herself. And I guess, you know, practising kindness and compassion to herself as well. So lots of work around around that. Then we created a bit of a return to work plan as well on a more practical mm. level. So we created some goals around returning to work, you know, what's important for her, you know, regarding her life, work-life balance and what do you want work to look like in the future and just also making sure she had a graded return to work. So not going back to work full-time but starting off a couple of days a week and then monitoring how how she feels and then increasing those days and she successfully moved very quickly back into her full-time role and what can I mean that's great yeah yeah, it was a good outcome and I and I you know this was because this was a really early intervention I mean it could have been Mm. earlier it could have been on the on the work side at the workplace but the fact that it was really her GP was very aware of um had had commented to her that we're getting a lot of people coming in post-COVID experiencing the same sort of symptoms yeah. and burnout. So the fact that we could, um, there was early intervention because uh, the longer you're out of work, the harder it is to return. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. that was some of the work I did with her. So it was a, um, it was a great outcome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Mm. And, and I guess the things you're talking about there, I mean, it, it's all – they're all interconnected. If you're not sleeping well enough, you're probably less likely to go and do the mindfulness practice and you're then less likely to eat well. And it's sort of, it, it's not about just getting one of them right. It's how do we look at that holistic sort of area um, and make sure that we're doing all of the right things so then we can be in a place of, you know, in a in a state of wellness that we can make good decisions for ourselves. Absolutely. It's, and it's, a, it's so hard because it's a vicious cycle that when you are in that rut, it, it it's so difficult to get yourself just to do anything. So to make mm. that change, it's like this vicious cycle. So it's, Absolutely. Um, and yeah. and that's why it's important, you know, 
we, we don't want to do this all at once. We can't change yeah. everything at once. But what can you do? Because I don't want to set people up for failure either. So what can we what can we change? What do you think you can do? What's within your capacity that you can yeah. start to make these changes? And yeah. um, and you know, if we're not sleeping, we're not you know we're, we're a lot more fragile when we're not sleeping. We can't think properly. We can't concentrate. And you know, as an example, if we're not eating properly, we know now that the um, how important gut health is for mental functioning. Um, so we know how yeah. important that is. We know how important exercise is for releasing those feel-good hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, that spiritual practice as well, you know, is it going for a walk out in nature? Is it meditating? You know, it, it, are, are you religious? And, you know, can you tap back into that? So just having that and, the, and that spiritual um, part's really important because I think that starts to create that connection, that mind-body connection and connection to the self, which I think that a lot of us sort of are lacking in our society oh. now. I think so, I think most people are lacking it because we mm. like, and it's not really anyone's fault. It's like if we don't make a conscious effort about it, how on earth are you meant to do it? Because we live in a society where we're working all the time, we're connected to work, and if you're not working, we've got screens in our hand in front of us you know there's endless media to consume Mm. when unless we make a highly conscious effort when on earth do you have time to actually do some of these things it's crazy Mm. yeah it is it really is and it's not something that we talk about all that you know you learn in school and um it's not considered a a priority or or something that's important but it's incredibly important to have that connection so yeah yeah, it's such an important thing. It really is, isn't it, to, mm. if you don't have that. Um, mm. I guess another thing that's been talked about globally has been, you know, the great resignation, which I guess sort of um, alludes to a lot of the things yeah. you're talking about at the beginning, I guess. Like from my understanding of that during COVID, it was people had this realisation that, oh, you know, maybe there is a different way I could live my life and then went to such an extreme from this sort of not doing anything about it and, you know, burning yourself out to I'm quitting. And then that's caused problems in itself. And then you sort of realise, oh, okay, what am I going to actually do now? How do I? Mm. So is that accurate, I guess, in what's happened with that? And and I guess it's always coming back to that middle ground of, you know, like what the example you gave with the, the, um, the, the person that was burnt out and how you helped get her back in the workplace. It's finding, you know, either the middle ground with with this stuff yeah and it's really interesting because there is that post-covid sort of trauma almost isn't there that we all went through this life-changing sort of experience and then we've come out of it and people are feeling really lost and it's hard to transition back into the workplace or career-wise and there and you know and you're right people are like I'm going to make these big changes and for some people it's it's worked really well and um, it's been a positive experience and for other people it's not it's not the reality and that idea of having to return to the workplace it can be really overwhelming for people and adjusting and transitioning so there is this really significant post covid trauma that i think people are sort of um, experiencing at the moment yeah and I, and i think it's so relevant as well what you're talking about before how we do need that psychological help in the workplace and to learn that sort of it's not outside of work at work, you know, it's all one of the same thing. How do we create mm. a lifestyle where we're just looking after our, our, mm. ourself and our core needs and yeah. doing the right things 
regardless because it just doesn't mm. work to cook well i don't think it can work if you compartmentalize that we've traditionally been taught where it's like you go to work you you know you you're suffering through it you go home and that's your release and it's sort of that can't sustain surely no it, it can't be sustainable because you know it, yeah i mean if you're going through a breakdown or you've lost a parent you can't just leave that at the door when you work walk into the workplace which we're and, taught uh, traditionally which is crazy yeah absolutely and you know can you imagine the benefits of people being able to go to work and breaking down that stigma of yep. going to see a psychologist in the workplace and and the accessibility and the, and how um the impact of um you know supporting leaders and being able to say hey as an as an organization we support you know we support our employees and we support mental health and we know that that's a priority and we know that's really important and um for example, I, I'm placed at Seek a day a week and I've been doing that for nearly eight years now. And it's, you know, it's a young tech company, so maybe there's a different mentality there. But a lot of my clients at Seek love coming to, to the sessions and they don't care who sees them walking, you know, into, the, into my room. It, it doesn't matter. There's mm. no stigma related to it. And it's so That's pleasing so to see that. Yeah, it's really pleasing, and that's where we want to get to. We want it. We want people to. It, we want to get rid of that stigma of accessing support and help, and we want. You know, this is about personal development. It's about understanding why do I behave a certain way? Why do I think a certain way? Why am yeah. what are my core beliefs? Yeah. You know, how does that? How do I view the world? Because our experiences, we all view the world very differently. You know, um, the world, the world is um, built with our mind. Mm -hmm. You know. So, so your how you experience things and how I experience things would be very different given our our past experiences. How we interpret event, events would be very different, and that's what's exciting about psychology. And that's you know why wouldn't you want to understand yourself that little bit more? You know, exactly. understand what you think. Yeah, I mean that thought. I think about that a lot, and it's mm. it's so fascinating, isn't it? Thinking. Um, the way, and it's hard to even when you're aware of it to really get your mind out of the, you know, your own lens of how you're seeing things and reminding mm. yourself, hang on, this other person might be seeing the world and experiencing things and understanding things in a completely different way than I am. Mm. And you sort of almost need to, well, you do you need to lose a lot of your ego to be able to accept that because mm. it's not, we don't like to feel that. And I think you sort of notice it as well when you're, talking to people and you know I say I experience this with whether it's parents or you know people that are very set in you know their ways and they'll have a lens that they've adopted over time and it's very hard for them to see outside of that lens mm. um but yeah you know, it's how, how what it's no no again no one's fault these are societal things that have been conditioned and in the mm. corporate space you know I've, I've seen it time and again with with move your mind what we do is run sort of different um, personal development programs and you know you see these cultures in big companies where it's been like that for so many years and mm. just hasn't changed and you know like you're talking about a lot of people will go in there at the beginning and no one wants to talk about anything and they're, they're embarrassed to sort of be seen to even um, share anything in front of a colleague but as soon as someone does and it, it's amazing how the relief that you see and then the permission other people sort of feel to to do it as well and you know had ones where you've had ceos break down crying in front of other you know mm. staff and then they'll other people go and actually 
get get help from there so it's it's really just everyone wants the help it's just mm. we don't know how to access it or we don't we don't give ourselves permission to do it yeah just breaking down those barriers and and saying it's okay to be vulnerable and it's it's okay to you know that to go and see someone if you if you've got something going on and yeah. um and like i said it doesn't even have to be a significant problem it can just be about understanding how you view the world yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. That really shapes our, I, you know, our early childhood experiences really shapes our view of the world and how mm. we see things. And, 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 and this is about having more flexible ideas and, and the more flexibility in our thinking, I guess, and rather than having a rigid way of seeing things. And if we're under stress or we're, we're feeling highly anxious, our, um, our cognitions become a lot more extreme. Our thinking yeah. becomes a lot more fixed. Our expectations become very high and we lose that flexibility in seeing the world and, mm. and you know, seeing situations in a more flexible way. So that's what, you know, counselling can help you to achieve that, to see things through a different lens, which yeah. is, you know, and it's just one of those aha moments for people sometimes. That's that's all it needs to be. And, and joining the links, um, joining the dots, sorry, joining the dots is a really um, beautiful thing to do with your clients, you know, to understand their early childhood experiences and why they see themselves a certain way, why they feel other people or how they feel other people see them and those core beliefs and then understanding how that impacts on them later in life, how they're yeah. still still operating under <coughs> those beliefs and in that and in that way. So, yeah. so that's always really nice when people will be able to join the dots and understand their why they behave a certain way and think a certain way it's so interesting and and it, i guess it's like a computer program it's sort of when you're developing and you learn these behaviors good or bad mm. it gets so embedded and you're unaware of it and then you get to your 20s 30s you become an adult and it's not really a question anymore it's sort of whether it's good or bad you you just operate on it mm. um how yeah how hard is it to change to either make or break new habits. Because I talk about, again, this a lot in mm. what we do with my company. And I think I'm really big on habits because if you, you know, you can have all the best knowledge, intentions, understanding of what you need to do. But if you actually can't stick to a regular behavior and mm. try and make that over time a conditioned behavior, uh, mm. it's not really, you're not going to get that lasting um benefit from it like no. how, how important is that and how hard is that to to do thank you so much for supporting move your mind we're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in the book is available globally you can find all of the links at nickbrax.com book and we've just released the Move Your Mind community. We've currently got a men's community group, a women's community group, a general group. We're going to be lo loading up other groups. And you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. This group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running Move Your Mind. And we have live events. We've got courses. We've got huge amounts of value. The ability to share information, share ideas work in groups together to, to grow and share your learnings to learn about different topics you get email reminders there's a whole lot of features in there we're constantly updating it and we're so excited to share it with you you can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.me yeah and as you're saying that i'm thinking about how i explain it to my clients and um yeah that um 
sort of our neuro pathways, I guess, in our brain that are like ski fields. And I said, like, you know, you've got those ski fields and they're really deep and some of those ski fields are black runs. And we yeah. just something happens and we go straight to this interpretation of that event, just automatic uh, thought, automatic yeah, belief yeah. that we attach to, to things that happen. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And yeah. what we're trying to do is we're trying to create new ski fields and new runs and some blue runs as well. So we're trying to, you know, reprogram, as you said earlier, reprogram the way we think. And that takes time and that does take commitment. And um, But it's not impossible. And yeah. that's, that's the promising thing. It just depends on the individual and how committed they are. But, you know, I think if we practice this commitment to, to trying to see things differently and, um, you know, if it, whether we do that through journaling or we, or we just really practice that mindfulness and sitting away from our thoughts and trying to um, or using cognitive behavioural therapy, challenging our thoughts, you know, are these rational, are they logical, is there evidence to support mm, these thoughts? Yeah. So being able to challenge our thoughts, it's in time, you know, I think that that there's there is a possibility to make these changes, and I and and depending on how committed you are, but I could say I would say it's a matter of weeks, but yeah, it's well, but it is yeah. a it is a practice that you need to be committed to, and we we do fall into old habits, and that's that that's just normal, and we've got to mm -hmm. remember that too. Where you know sometimes we are going to slip up and we are going to fall into old habits, and that's okay as well. Yeah, it's just exactly. about having more awareness, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. I mean that's the thing can't I think it's exactly like you said you sort of it, it I mean I guess what whatever they say it takes you know 21 days or whatever it is mm. it's different in but you know around yeah. I, I think it's around a month to make or break a habit mm. and it can obviously vary but um understanding if you understand that it's actually not that crazy it's sort of going to be a bit of discomfort yeah. um and you know breaking things down like you were talking about earlier where you might say okay I've got all these different issues right now but what what's actually practical for me to work on at the moment and I can sort mm. of put the other stuff aside and you know just come back to that later but what's a and and just do that regularly until it does become a habit without being making it such a sort of ambitious or stressful thing for you that that turns into the new you know otherwise that becomes a new stress you know yeah. all, or that's so just reconfirmed I'm a failure or I'm never going to achieve anything and I'm never good enough so we don't want to reconfirm any of those core beliefs and yeah. when you're talking about that I'm thinking about you know the importance of kindness and self-compassion because we are going to make mistakes and we are fallible yeah. Yeah. as yeah. humans so recognizing that oh it's so important and it's sort of mm. and and you know and and then if you are making progress and you have a step back it's okay and i mean it's it's so hard that's for me personally you know if mm. i'm honest yeah still to this day my biggest problem is i don't have 
anywhere near enough self-compassion and I was talking mm. um to someone about this yesterday and they were saying you know you you're I've never met anyone that's harder on themselves and I'm just constantly you know and I talk about this stuff a lot and I'm trying you're to, a harsh critic of yourself harsh so critic you, of yourself yeah. but you know mm. you understand and you can give the knowledge to other people but it's so hard to do it on yourself mm. and what I say to my clients and I'll and I'll ask you <clears throat> would you talk to a friend the way you talk to yourself I literally said this to someone yesterday when I was <laughs> We're having a meeting with a company about a mental health program and I was saying how crazy it is that um, we, you know, imagining the advice we would give to a loved one or your best friend or whoever mm-hmm. and then thinking how what goes on in my own head, it's crazy. Like you don't do it. I don't do it in the same way. I'd give other people certain advice but then in your own head it's like beating yourself up, telling yourself the most, you know, horrific, mm-hmm. ridiculous things um so and it, that it is creates crazy. a lot of stress and and stress hormones yeah. you know there's a lot been a lot of studies that show that you know if you're yes if you're self-critical and you're attacking yourself you're actually releasing a lot of stress hormones yeah and and you can imagine you know you're attack you're you're being you're attacking yourself basically so you put yourself in that fight or flight mode and imagine the difference if you could speak to yourself in a kind and compassionate way and how soothing that would be oh my and god how much yeah <laughs> exactly i i know yeah exactly what you mean you can't you can't make rational decisions from you know a point of stress and anxiety you sort of no you sort of need to yeah understand you know that when you are thinking irrationally like that it's, it's almost the one thing you should not do is make a decision it's like okay i'm Mm. thinking like that and my mind wants a solution which is the ironic thing of it all that's the hard thing about it it's like your mind's going crazy i'm so stressed i'm trying to think my way out of something and then the more you think the more stressed you get and you're trying to and you spend so much time trying to think your way out of some sort of problem when actually the solution is to do nothing and wait till you're calm and rational and then often Mm. when you do that you can probably solve the problem in 30 seconds compared Mm. to spending you know months sometimes ruminating um but so you get really natural... fixed on that yeah. idea of so and and as you're saying that i'm just thinking about your lens just gets narrower and narrower and narrower you, you can't see exactly yeah mm. yeah it's so interesting and i mean i guess I've, I've seen how big of a problem that is for a lot of people but that's probably personally for me the you know the biggest thing i've struggled with and you sort of have to through experience you know understand it and mm. pull yourself out of it and just sort of be kind to yourself about it but it yeah. is that is so difficult when your your mind is desperately wanting to try and think its way through all these different things when, mm. yeah, you, you can't. Mm. And when we talk about that critical self-talk and that motivation for that, you know, what do you think your motivation is to, to be a self-critic? I think my motivation's always about um, wanting to, um, wanting more certainty about the future and, you know, mm. having huge ambition and Mm. needing to feel in control so Mm. it's never never about the past i sort of don't have regrets about anything but Mm. it's always projections to the future for me Mm. um and i'm i guess i'm naturally very ambitious want to milk everything out of life want all these things but it can become incredibly unhealthy and Mm. find it you know it's difficulty going back to just being present and being okay with, you know, not having to control every outcome of, of everything. Yeah, and that can create a lot of anxiety, can't it? Because you're <laughs> oh thinking God, about yeah. the future and we, we don't know what the future is going to bring or 
no one can know. Yeah. That's the crazy mm. thing. Like you sort of mm. can't, um, you can't not have anxiety if you're worrying about the future all the time because mm. we, you know, we we can do our best, but we don't know what's going to happen really. Mm. So that's when that importance of being able to bring it back into the present moment and be mindful of the present moment and that self-compassion, you know, kindness, calming yourself down, telling yourself that it's all going to be okay. Yeah, mm. exactly. And it always is. I mean, that's the thing. And and I think the with anxiety as well, it's like the fear of a situation or an outcome or, you know, what's going to happen in the future is the this it's significantly more terrifying than the actual event itself mm. so it's sort of it's so weird and we all go through that and we worry about all these things but the actual mm. thing and even when it's a shocking situation the actual act of going through it and living it is never actually that bad compared to what your no, mind never. is projecting it's so mm. weird and never. i had it when i first got into like pub in in i was so shy and afraid of my own shadow when i was at university and we had to do mm public speaking in front of small groups and I'd be like vomiting and not sleeping, literally wow. vomiting before I'd do it. But then the act of doing it, and I did a really bad job because I was like so, you know, shy at the point that point in time. And still, even through that, it was like, oh, it's not that bad. I like didn't, no one actually like, you know, laughed at me or teased me or whatever. I did a bad job, whatever, move on. But the lead up is horrific. Mm. So it's sort of, I, I think, and I, I don't know, I don't know if you, have techniques for that but for me what I've learned and what I try and explain to people is I feel like um as uncomfortable as it is it's like immersion therapy is so important of just living life experiencing things making mistakes going through discomfort going through pain I think we live in a world now where we're wanting to avoid that and everyone wants mm -hmm. a quick fix and everyone wants you know instant gratification we can't focus and I just think it's so important um, and I'm I'm so glad that I went through or continue to go through uncomfortable things because it it also gives you empathy for other people and it mm. helps you understand them um, and it gives meaning to other things in life. So I think we have this tendency to just want to avoid discomfort, but to, by going through that, you you learn so much. And then for me now, when I am worrying about some future thing, I'll just remind myself because of the life experience that, okay, this is what my brain's telling me right now, but it's not true because mm. I know these other 500 times when I did this, it was never, you know, as bad as what my mind told me. So, yeah, so I don't know. You, that's, yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. When you turn away from your anxieties and your fears, it creates more anxiety. It just escalates, doesn't it? But we can't change what we don't face. So if we don't turn into it and know that we're going to be okay, like I said, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. So if we can turn into our fears and our anxieties and ask ourselves, what's going on for me right now? Why do I feel like this? What am I worried? What am I worried about? Where's this come from? Is it familiar? Have I felt like this before? Um, and just and then just and then you just go oh you know what's the worst thing that could happen exactly. and it's never that bad like what is it it's not these aren't life and death things mm. most of most of the time no um yeah what is the actual worst that can that can happen and and i think when you it's when you're trying to fight away and you know be hard on yourself that i shouldn't feel like this how do i make myself stop feeling mm. this it's sort of more just accept okay you know what I feel, I'm uncomfortable. I'm probably going to be uncomfortable. Mm. Whatever. Okay, I'm not going to fight it. Whatever th thoughts, good, bad, indifferent, that's okay. I'll, all I'm going to do is just 
remind myself that it is going to be okay and I'm going to trust that and I'm going to do it anyway. And sort of the more you do that, the less, the sort of more you trust yourself. If yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, because you create more anxiety by sort of what if I don't do this and, you know, I should be doing this and that just creates more anxiety. So it just And it doesn't escalates. solve any problem. Yeah. No, no. But if you can be kind, you know, practice that kindness and compassion and, and learn to moderate your emotions or regulate your emotions better and calm yourself down, you, your experience of what you're going through is going to be a lot easier to handle. And, yeah. you know, we've all got to trust ourselves that we can get through things. Yeah. Yeah. We do. Yeah, exactly. Sort of we, and again, I guess you would sort of, if you were talking to a friend, you would sort of be thinking, you know, out without the emotional attachment, you'd be thinking, oh, no, I believe they can, you know, handle this. But then you don't actually trust yourself completely a lot of the time, which mm. to gain it, yeah, having that trust. Yeah, so, you know, there's there's a lot of different facets when it comes to counselling and psychology that we can we can tap into and people respond differently as well to different modalities of treatment as well. You know, some people really love mindfulness and other people don't understand it and can't attach to it and other people really love the idea of cognitive behavioural therapy because it's, you know, it's very structured and it's easier for them to understand. So, you know, th there's lots of ways to to kind of manage people's emotions and bring in different types of treatment and um that's yeah. that's the great thing about it yeah and i guess with the work you're doing um how many is it has there been a big change in companies in the efforts they're putting in do you think and do we have still a long way to go in what needs to be done I think, unfortunately, with COVID, it's really put a bit of a halt on that because mm. it's about getting people back in the office and, you know, getting third parties into the office sometimes has been a bit difficult. Um, yeah. So I think prior to it, there was this real move and let's, yep, yeah, let's start to really get, you know, our wellness centres up and running. And I think other priorities came in when people started to work remotely. So it's put a hold on it. So my hope is, is that, we will move towards that because this is a really important time. This is a crucial time to really get in and help employees yeah, and support yeah. them. Yeah. But there's definitely a lot more people reaching out for assistance. There's no doubt about that. Which is great, I guess, because there's so much um, awareness now, which is really, I think that's probably the best, th best thing that came out of COVID, that it forced people to talk more about this, which at least they're more open now to going and, you know, getting help and taking that first yeah. step. And, you know, even with the government recognising the importance of it, so allowing for people to have telehealth sessions and access that. So that's really important, particularly for people who live remotely and increasing the number of sessions that people can have as well on Medicare. So that's been a really positive outcome, I guess, too. Yeah, it's all all super important. Mm. Yeah. Great. Um, and I guess going before we sort of have five final questions we finish up with, but before that, are there personal things for you that you actually do that, you know, help you on a day-to-day -day basis manage your mental health well-being, just, you know, to keep sort of grounded? Are there certain things you, you do yourself? Oh, look, I try and address those five areas of self-care, I guess, yep. you know, diet, exercise, um, social, that's really important for me. And just also maintaining, you know, just being really mindful of my caseload and making sure I, I don't over 
do it with seeing clients because it's very easy to say, I'll book, yep, I'll book you, I'll book you in, I'll book you in. And then all of a sudden you might have a, a large number of clients in a day. Yeah. Um, so it's about maintaining that that balance for me, particularly is important. Um, and just remembering why I do this work. And and if I'm doing if I'm going to give my clients the best I can give them, then I also need to have a balance as well. So um so yeah, so really those five foundations of health that we've talked about and just maintaining a work-life balance. Yeah, I think that's so important, you know, being able to yeah. just have that balance, not make it too rigid and just, yeah, keep reminding yourself and checking in and, you know, why am I actually yeah. doing what I'm doing? Because again, going, you know, on my own personal experience, that's what I've always continually had to do and found difficult of you're doing things for the right reason, but then very quickly it becomes overwhelming or you get stressed or, mm. you know, you, you end up losing the sort of core reason why you were doing it or forgetting that because you're so caught up in all the different things happening around you. Um, and I think when that happens, you know, your tendency is to do more when actually you need to peel things back and think, hang on, why am I actually doing this? What do I need? And, you know, it's a continual sort of yeah. cycle until you do get better at finding that balance and having better boundaries, I guess, to, to do that. And it's really easy to get pulled away from from having that balance. It's incredibly easy and um, quite tempting at times, I guess, uh, but there's consequences. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I mean, just being aware of the, the choices we make and the decisions we make and the impact that they can have on us and being really conscious of that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point, isn't it? Reminding yourself of... Because we can feel like, oh, no, but I want to, you know, do this and this and feel like we're reminding yourself that every decision we make, there actually are consequences with it. Mm. So you are sacrificing something if you decide on something else. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So that's, that's that, you know, that goes back to just being really present and, you know, creating space and just going, what do I want to do right now, you know, without having to make a decision on the spot you know, or yeah. just really being slowing things down so that you can make the right decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I think that's, that's, I'm just thinking about that now and <laughs> what's going on in my own life, even at the moment, I'm like, okay, I'm going to actually do that today. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you for that. I feel like I'm getting a therapy <laughs> session here pretty much while, while interviewing you, it's like helping reinforce a few things in my mind. Right. Right. <laughs> and I've stayed away from the temptation of asking you too many questions. So. I know you didn't do too many. Yeah. No. You, you, you threw a couple, but not, not, not many. I thought, I thought I'd get more. I'm, I'm disappointed. No, I'm no, it was good. We've had too many interesting things to talk to you about. We can do that another time. That can be round two. You can yeah. interview me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we finish up with these five closing questions on, on every, um, interview. Um, so these can be, yeah, whatever, whatever sort of comes to mind for you. Uh, mm -hmm. the first one is, you know, what did you, what, what's your best childhood memory that comes to mind? what do you like most about your childhood? Um, when I think about my childhood, it's, I think the best memories I have is spending time with my cousins and my family. I think that's, you know, my most treasure because, you know, and I felt safe and, happy and supported so I think you know that just that that feeling um brings to me so it's not one particular yeah. event it's just that general feeling of of feeling safe and having fun with cousins and family yeah well so yeah I love that one mm. um what do you think is the biggest burden on mental health in society today 
the biggest burden, I guess it's that stigma. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if we can remove that and start to sort of create this idea that, that and normalise people's experiences, mm-hmm. yeah, that would have a significant impact. Yep. I agree. Um, what's your personal definition of happiness? connection to the self and it's interesting you ask that because I've listened to a few podcasts and I think a few of the people we've interviewed all say the same thing and I might say it in a different way but that exactly, connection yeah. to the self <laughs> yeah is so important knowing who we are what's important to us what we value what we value in ourselves and in other people and if if we have that then we can make decisions and we can lead our life in a really nice way if we feel really connected to ourselves. Everything is balanced. Yeah. No, I, I think, think that, that, Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say that's when that disconnection creates problems. Yep. That's when we hit, you know, rough waters and rough seas if we're not, yep. dis- if we're not connected. And, and like you were talking about earlier, you sort of know, you can feel in your gut when you're going against your values. You sort of know when you're doing it and... Mm. Um, for whatever reason, if you are doing it, you just, yeah, you can, it, it, everything feels heavy. It doesn't feel right. Mm. Even if, even if positive things are coming out of it, you're like, this doesn't, mm. doesn't feel right. Doesn't it's just sit like, with me. Yeah. Yeah. And often people have jobs that don't align with their values and that's really people, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so they, they might be on this great salary and, and, you know, they might be proud to say the title of the role that they have, but the role doesn't really fit with their values and they yeah. can't work out what's, what's going on for me because I'm not really that happy. I feel quite anxious and, and it's interesting to be able to explore that with people. So that, yeah, connecting and knowing what's important for us. Yeah. It's key. Oh, yeah. It's so important. Mm. Otherwise you sort of, you know, I've met people worth, in the hundreds of millions that are, seem really unhappy. And I think it's the same thing where they've probably just chased money and achieved that, but then there's something missing. It's there's sort of not missing. aligned. Yeah. Mm. So nothing external can really replace that. We've got to find that internally first and then, mm. you know, work from there. Absolutely. I mean, these external gratifications <coughs> are never, never going to really make us feel truly happy. And, and, you know, trying to get that from other people or other things, it's just not, yeah, it's not possible. So having that internally and finding that internally and having that connection is really important. It's so important, yeah. Mm. Um, What are you most afraid of? What am I most afraid of? Oh, I don't know if I've heard (laughs) you ask that one. Um, Snakes? (laughs) Does that count? No. That can Um, count. It can be, yeah, there's no no rule here. Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd have to really reflect on that one if I thought about how do I, what am I most afraid of in a, in a personal sort of way, a sense. Um, you know, connection to other people is really important for me. So I guess if I lost that, that would, mm-hmm. that would be quite scary. So yeah. having that connection to others. Yeah, well, that's a pretty important one. Mm. Yeah, it would be quite scary if you didn't, if you didn't have that. Yeah, definitely. It would take mm. a lot of meaning out of life if you didn't have mm. that. Yeah, because there's so much value in, in that in itself of having feeling connected, someone who is on the same frequency of, as you, I guess, and underst- you have the same ideas and the same values and you can talk through 
problems totally. and situations and you understand each other that, that understanding so yeah that would that would be quite scary if that wasn't there yeah well, I think that's a good one mm. so I'm just gonna cough again I've just have been run down at the moment my voice is held up for we've got about a few minutes left of this but sure. <laughs> um I've just had like a lingering sort of whatever it is not COVID I think a, test, a lot of some, people have yeah I don't know what it is I've spoken to so many people and yeah, they've yeah. had, there's something going around because it's, I had a COVID test, not COVID, but it's been over a week of being able to function, but there's just some viral thing that something. won't go away. It's just like. Yeah. And you don't feel a hundred percent, quite a hundred percent. You just, it's just, yeah. I'd rather almost be so sick that you're just bedridden and yeah. then get over it than just lingering. And it can take it's, weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, final question. Sure. What are you most proud of? what am I most proud of? I guess the work that I'm doing, I'm really proud of. You know, I, I've um, only fairly recently just gone out completely on my own. And um, I used to work with a couple of organisations and I've left them and I'm quite proud to have made that leap into, you know, just saying, yeah, I'm I'm at a stage in my career where I feel confident that I can do this on my own and I have enough skills and experience behind me to be able to run my own business so yeah I'm quite proud of that I, I guess it's a, quite a leap when you when you move out of the security of um paid employment or you know salary employment so yeah oh 100 yeah that's amazing mm -hmm. and the work you're doing is so it's one of the most important things you know we need this more than anything or more than so mm. many things in in the world so I think it's it's so so important and the, especially the stuff in companies um mm. they def desperately need the the support so i think it's great what you're doing absolutely yeah and i mean i enjoy and i'm lucky because i i mean i i i see goodness and kindness in all my clients and i and i really enjoy working with my clients so it's a, it's um it's a great role and job to have so yeah that's great and as i said to you earlier i prefer to talk about ask other people questions than to be asked questions and that's why I'm a psychologist but I, I think I did okay <laughs> today didn't I? <laughs> I think you've done pretty well I, I, I've learned I mean I, I'm sure our listeners where whenever I have interviews where I'm you know getting so much out of um I, that normally that translates into a lot of other people enjoying it as well so yeah great you, you did did very well um that's and that's the best thing about this podcast as well I feel like I just get to learn from people like yourself you know it's great 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 excuse to be able to do it and then share that with other people yeah and it's nice to have that opportunity to to do that and talk about your work because you know usually I'm one-on-one -on -one yeah with, with my clients so to have that opportunity to, to say more broadly on a global sense how this can work for individuals and you know we all present it at counseling people present at counseling with a with a problem but there's themes and, the, and, and mm. then there's underlying reasons behind their experiences so it's 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 a, it's a human experience exactly. it doesn't matter where you come from where you live what you're experiencing at the time so it's a, um, yeah, it's a very privileged um, role to have and I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. So thanks for allowing me to come on and have a chat with you. No problem. And, and finally, um, if people want to learn more about you, is there anywhere we can send them? Uh, we yeah, can put sure. This in the, we'll put it in the notes as well for when we release it. But, yeah, where, where can they go? So I, I have a LinkedIn account, but I also have a website. So my website's juliapsychology.com.au. So if you just okay. refer to my website... There's a lot of information on there and there's also a link if you want to ask me any questions or um, reach out to me. 
Great. And and yeah, just again for anyone listening, we'll have the link to the the website in the in the show notes from this episode. So yeah, Julia, thank you so much. Appreciate you making the time. I've really enjoyed chatting to you and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. Thanks, Nick. I've enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks to Julia Canatelli for joining me today for Move Your Mind. And just a reminder that the Move Your Mind book is now available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com slash book. And you can join the Move Your Mind community by going to moveyourmind.me. We've recently relaunched Underbrax and are donating a dollar from every pair sold to the mental health charity One in Five. Get behind the cause, get some comfortable underwear, and support mental health. You can find the links for that at underbrax.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.